Health Tech listeners, I'm your host this week, Justine Absom. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas and best practice in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to Sarah Adams, Senior Project Manager at Radar Healthcare. Sarah's been with Radar Healthcare for four and a half years, and she focuses on implementing Radar Healthcare to help our customers achieve their strategic ambitions. Outside of work, Sarah is mostly occupied by her son, Artie, who's five, but if there is any spare time, she enjoys gardening and looking after her chickens. Chickens, Sarah. I'm, I'm impressed with that. <laughs> I really sound like a crazy chicken lady, don't I? <laughs> um, Sarah, welcome to What the Health Tech. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it is lovely to be here, but really weird. I just said to you earlier before we started filming, the microphone is so close to my mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really alien to me. This is my first time. Excellent. I'm glad to have you here. So we're going to talk about today, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the highs and lows of project implementation, um, where the main focuses should be, what's important to think about in the early stages, and I guess later down the line as well. It's not a, you know, we don't stop as soon as as soon as that project's implemented. So to start with, it'd be really good if you can give our listeners a brief overview of what's involved in your role as a project manager at Radar Healthcare. Yeah, sure. So um, the sales, t- it starts with the sales team, obviously, um, they get the sale, they get the signature on the contract they do all the finance bit of it and then it gets handed over to me and I will chat to those sales guys and have an introduction with the customer for the first time we'll lead on to a kickoff meeting kicking off their project um, and then in turn we sort of have a modular approach to the implementation of radar so the different modules events audits business compliance and workforce compliance and we'll gradually work through those kicking off each of those modules and training them and supporting them with how to configure their system um, in order to achieve those outcomes, Um, which is a very practical um, response, I think. What sort of surrounds that practical thing is making sure that all of that work that we do to configure the system is in line with their strategy, their vision, their objectives, what they actually want to achieve and why they bought Radar. Yeah, I think that's really important. That's actually something that um, Mark Harrison and Rob Place spoke about um, a few weeks ago when we talked about the partnership approach in particular, about those ambitions. And Mark in particular is very passionate about getting that why across, which I think all builds into into our partnership approach, really. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's important. It's one of the most important things. You know, if Radar isn't working for you, then it's not working is it yeah definitely so obviously going into that we know every organization is different especially in health and social care if if nowhere else um and it's something we pride ourselves on in terms of we never go out with a one-size-fits-all approach um that is you know one thing that we're really really passionate about so as a project manager how do you kick off that implementation with the new partner what is kind of the key things that that are really important at that point Well, practical things to start with, you know, what have they actually purchased? What's the scope of the project? Any timescales or sort of risk associated with it? Um, If they're leaving an old system or stopping, you know, they've got to stop paying for an old system and radar's coming in, then those deadlines and feeding those in um, and working, working that backwards to some sort of practical solutions, really. Um, And everybody has different risks or different timescales or a different agenda or a different vision so it's just incorporating that into your plan practically but also making sure 
to, to keep relating back to things and, and talking about it and just sort of reminding people, okay, well, what we wanted to achieve with this was X. Um, so how does that, how are we doing that? Is this on target for that? Yeah, and you mentioned in that, you know, whether it's um, leaving a previous system, a legacy system, or yep. whether it's starting from scratch. You know, a lot of our care home providers, they will have been paper-based and yep. uh, um, transforming to digital. So I guess even that is completely different, whether you're leaving that legacy system and transforming over or whether you, you are starting from scratch as well. Yeah, yes, you're right. And obviously the vision is different depending on where they are in the maturity of them using systems um, and their processes in place. Um, and I think that feeds into the culture of the organisation. You know, ev- everyone is different and it doesn't matter how large or small they are. There are some relatively small or new um, organisations sort of that we partner with our customers that think big, you know, um, and, and they're going for a more strategic goal, uh, you know, better out, not better outcomes, but different outcomes to um, those that are, don't you know maybe don't have any systems just on paper you know the main thing for those kind of customers is I just want visibility of what's going on I have no idea what's going on in my care homes it's all on bits of paper it's in filing cabinets it's I can't lay my hands on it I have no idea what's going on so you know that's a common one that is a common one and it's actually crazy to think that isn't it you know the more I kind of hear that 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 is happening and the amount of compliance that care providers have to go through you know with CQC and and everything else to it must be an absolute nightmare to when someone comes in if you are paper-based yeah and it is surprising it it's not just your um less mature customers that are doing it Mm. some really big customers are still in that position you know Uh, so it there isn't one size fits all you know it's not like i know if i have an organization this big this is what i've got to aim for this is what they're doing if i've got an organization that's smaller this big then these are their motivators you know it is just different everyone is different yeah and it really does come down to that partnership approach in terms of like you said everybody's different regardless of size or or anything else as well so with that in mind have you got any examples of anything that has been done exceptionally well um which might help other organizations to consider when planning their implementation yes yes um and i was speaking to one one of my customers recently I often find my customers are inspiring. I really enjoy, I enjoy doing my job. I enjoy speaking to our customers because they give me insights into what they're doing. You know, I enjoy having that trust and that relationship with them. Anyway, so um, I, I won't say who it is, but, <laughs> but um, there's a lady I work with and She's doing a fantastic job implementing radar, and I her her method of doing it is we obviously configure it together. I train her, and then she has arranged um, sessions with her practice managers, and she makes it a day out. You know, she makes it the radar day, and all the practice managers. She has a couple of them across; they're all across country, and she groups them all together. And she'll have a training day. She we've provided her with a few goodie bags and stuff to support her in that. She's invited her marketing team along, and she's making a day out of it and a big thing to really get people bought in um, and excited about radar. And she follows that up. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. She was just telling me the other day. She's got a couple of staff that work for her as well. Um, 
And one of her goals, one of her visions that she wanted to do was have visibility. And visibility is great. And you get there automatically sort of with having radar. It's sort of easy for me to make sure, you know, I do my part of the job. But what good is it if nobody's looking at it, you know? So as she said, actually, she's supported by these other two ladies who's part of, it's part of their role to log on to radar every day and just have that oversight you know they're not responsible for doing investigations or necessarily creating action plans or completing action plans or, or whatever it is but they are a little bit distanced from it and just make sure that it's all going smoothly and if it isn't they're questioning it and doing something about it and I think that's that's the little the golden bit, you know, that's the bit on the top of the um, icing on the cake, as it were, to just like realise that last bit um, of the benefits that they're looking for. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually, having a couple of people that have that visibility, but are just sort of almost analysing it Mm. and looking at going, actually, why isn't anybody doing X? Yeah. When to someone that isn't looking at it every day, like it's it's obvious sort yeah. of thing. It's yeah, I think that's a really interesting approach actually. And I think it's it's these types of things that, you know, is are great to hear because we can share those with our other customers and obviously our listeners on on platforms like this as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think it's that implementation side does definitely show that different things work for different people. You know, I've spoken to some customers recently for when we've been talking about case studies and you know, we've got one who has implemented a module at a time, very kind of planned pilot yeah. system. And then we've got another that I talked to a couple of weeks ago that just was like, no, actually, I want everything at once. Yeah. And that's how it works for us. Yeah. So, you know, prime examples of, of how that different approach works for different people as well. Yeah. And everyone's different. And, you know, that's my job to just adapt to that. And I make recommendations based on experiences in the past and what's worked well and what's not um, but yeah, we're we're there to adapt and not force people to do it a certain way because everyone's different. Yeah, and I think that you know we've we've talked about kind of the good stuff. So I'm guessing you've probably got plenty of organisations that you know maybe haven't done things quite as well, if, especially at the beginning. Um, so have you got any kind of experience of what doesn't work so well? Yeah, so I'll just I'll just say a couple. Just off the top of my head, she's just glancing at my nose. <laughs> um, so I think one one thing is really following through with your thought processes to see where that's going to end, where that's going to land you. It's so easy to get bogged down in the actual process of doing something or implementing something that you don't have the foresight to see the impact of that. So I'll give you an example. One of my customers um, carry out a root cause analysis on an incident if it's a certain trigger level, you know, if it's particular, they rate it in levels. So, you know, if it was a high, a high level, that's cause for um, a root cause analysis. But if it's sort of a low level incident, then that's not. Mm. And those levels that dictate if there should be a root cause analysis are up to the business really you know it's 
it's their it's their incident it's it's up to them and radar is flexible to adapt that and put those triggers in so the question is what level of care what level of safety is appropriate for, to warrant or justify doing that root cause analysis and they they sort of played with it a bit sort of well, we'll start with what it used to be actually you know we want to be safer we want to put more more triggers in we want to trigger it sooner for um cases that aren't so serious and they sort of moved it and the impacts of that was actually the person responsible for carrying out the root cause analysis they had lots more work oh, oh wow yeah so and and that that's the thing you might you might have thought well it's going to create more work not quite sure how much work but actually this was a lot more work and everything's just going overdue mm. you know regional the regional managers they couldn't keep up um so i think just having think just sitting down and just thinking it's difficult to do i i fall foul of it myself as well you know you don't yeah. forget that end forget what you're aiming for and forget forgetting the impact or or what might happen with doing that yeah and i think it's you know that is a really good example of that is a great idea in sort of theory yeah but if that can't be followed through yeah it's never going to work so it's almost that thinking about well actually this is good but how do we actually get to that that point of why are we doing it basically Um, And, and the impact on the business of these decisions and just it's easy to change it in radar, but it's not just about radar. Yeah, yeah, it's about the the, the people that are actually using the system, I guess, yeah. isn't it? The people that are on the front line as well. Yeah, and I think that can, it's easy to overlook that and think it, it's a system. I know how to put systems in, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's more than that. It's It's a mindset, it's a cultural shift, it's driving towards those goals and that those objectives again, so... Yeah, the, and the communication, obviously, as well. You know, communication in the business itself. Yeah. Communication in general needs to be very much two-way, um, especially at implementation stage. So how important is it to have, you know, we've touched on partnership already in the in the podcast, um, but how important is it to have those really transparent conversations that, you know, at the very beginning and then throughout the process, you know, I can't imagine they're always the easiest conversations to have, but I imagine they're pretty important. I love it. This is the best bit of my job <laughs> because I... I struggle to be anything other than that. It's, it is the way I am. Um, and I think a lot of the team are as well that that work at Radar. You know, that is something I think we pride ourselves on at Radar. You know, just being honest. I can't stand not being honest, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just how you deliver that, just having empathy and seeing it from the customer's point of view as well as the radar point of view presenting options for things um and making recommendations based on that um so yeah i i am super super honest with my customers i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and that's a great way to be as well you know for a company that does pride itself on partnership and you know making sure people get the best out of the system for them the only way to do that is to be to have those challenging conversations sometimes and it's you know at the end of the day 
we are the experts in the system in terms of what which ways we can go you know that an organization might come to us and sort of say you know this is what we need and we just want to do it this way but you know if you've got experience of another similar customer that's done it in a slightly different way that works better then that's part of that approach I think isn't it yeah and it's ultimately up to them you know I can only present the options um, and make the recommendations but I think the more open and transparent and honest you are as you progress through your journey together the more trust you build um, and it, you know it's all about that it, it's key yeah it's building that relationship basically isn't it yeah it, it becomes a, a trust thing yeah yeah so obviously you've, you've worked with partners of all different sizes um, I think again we've touched on it um, so when it comes to engaging those at the front who use radar healthcare um, do you find there's a different approach depending on size or type of organisation or does it just come down to literally the individuals? Oh, well, the fear of repeating myself. <laughs> um, it's not one size fits all. So, you, you know, you just work with the organisation to, to see what resources they have, what um, skills they have, what time they have, what schedules they have. Um, and, and we just build from there really i mean i we we have a trainer trainer approach we we have um we have a communication and launch meeting fairly early on in the in the project and we talk about training in that as well and our general approach is train the trainer so the organization is responsible for cascading it down and that that works that works well in in a lot of cases but sometimes you know we'll have customers that come to us and say I can't do that I don't have the resources to do that and that's fine too you know we'll we'll deliver their end user training for them or you know help them with resources or I think Haley's even talking about doing a marketing piece with one of my new customers that's coming on to just help communicate launches and it's not one size fits all you know we'll we'll do whatever they need really within reason <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really interesting though because it is there are so many different elements involved in this so it, it isn't just simply you've got your project manager mm. and you know you look after the, the customer and then that's it almost it's there's a lot of different approaches to to kind of engagement and you know from training to like you said marketing pieces communication there's so much involved in it mm. um and I think you know for, for teams working together as well that that is where teamwork basically comes yeah. comes into it everybody has their own areas of expertise but actually when you look at a customer's journey there's lots of things that that help that implementation be a success yeah yeah definitely that collaboration is key yeah and I think something else we we often hear a lot about is you know what happens after the implementation is complete you know in an ever-evolving sector such as healthcare um it feels even more important because we all know how quickly things change you know something that's happening now doesn't mean that you know it's going to be the same in six months times um so how do we ensure that we continue that partnership once that implementation is is complete almost so um, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but you've said um, you've had an interview with Rob and Mark Harrison, um, and there are several others as well. Customer success managers um, are also part of that initial team with a customer, and their job is to be with the customer for their life at Radar, um, whereas 
Unfortunately, I'm just for Christmas, not for life. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I will do the project and I will make sure that we're building the product to to meet their sort of vision and goals. And it's really the likes of Mark and the rest of the CSM team that are there with the customer the whole way through, the whole journey, to ensure that that is maintained. And when new staff come in and they've got new ideas or you've, you need to change a process or something, how we support them with that um, and how that still uh, aims towards their goals or if their goals change and how we can support them with that. You know, it's a continuous... It's continuous. Yeah, and the the customer success managers get involved sort of in the project side as well, don't they? So it's not just about them coming in at the end of your... It's not a handover no. as such. No. It's they have been involved in that process and have understood what the customer's gone through to then yeah. obviously then take them on the rest of their journey, I guess. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and, and that's just two of us who you will have direct contact with throughout your project. I mean, there's a whole sort of other team in the background that's going on you've got your support team um we've got our development team and depending on what you've got in your contract or the scope of your project you know we might we're going to draw on those people as well um marketing as well we try to make those introductions and get people coming on here and things like (laughs) that (laughs) and it's great as well you know i i talk to a lot of customers in in my role and it's always fantastic to speak to them because you know for us it's it's great hearing their their positive feedback and about the different teams and it is amazing how many different teams they do mention when we chat to them which is usually more towards you know once they're they're in they're using the system so um yeah I think you all do a you all do a great job on that (laughs) (laughs) thanks um so we've talked a lot about different insights um so I'm just keen to know if there's any other advice that you would offer our listeners um from your experience so any top tips anything we've not covered um yeah anything that you kind of think that our listeners that might be starting on their journey of of implementation what what would be your top tip I think just keep it simple just in the first instance try and keep it simple take advantage of the toolkits and the templates that we have available in radar um and don't overcomplicate it you can end up tying yourself in knots with things so yeah keep it simple yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's really easy to get really excited sometimes about all of this amazing stuff that something can do. But actually, if you start with the simple bit, yeah. you can get to that bit. You can get to the... All you can up. build on it. You know, it's not like a, a start and stop thing. You don't, right, this is it, it's done. Um, so yeah, it can evolve. And that's, you know, why you have the customer success manager yeah. um, along your journey, because nothing is static nothing's going to stay the same forever it's going to change yeah and you mentioned earlier in the in the podcast about the visibility with with one of your customers and you know them them having people in place to just oversee things mm. and i think that's where you know you look at things like analytics and you know building your bespoke reports and that's almost where that bit comes from then as the the next step i think doesn't it yes exactly yeah so it's all well and good sort of just getting radar in and doing that but you know what you really want to be looking at is how how timely am I doing things like how safe am I how how caring am I you know you know your Chloe things and your things that the CQC are looking for and and what's driving that what are what are those objectives and drilling down into that underneath to to make that happen you know is it doing more root cause analysis you know is that how I'm more caring is that how I provide a, a better safer 
quality of uh, care. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because every sort of, whenever we chat about things like this, it is it comes down to that, the objectives, the why, the, you know, that's always the thing that underpins it, I think, to get to that, basically that, that outcome to, to improve patient safety, I guess, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. That golden thread. That golden thread. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of every episode, we ask everybody the same question. We like to know a bit about what your health tech, what the health tech moment is. Um, so it's a bit of fun. We, you know, we, we talk to lots of people across the industry. So it's all about hearing your weird and wonderful stories um, of health and social care, um, or even a life-changing moment um, in terms of something that's had a, an impact on you. So what's your what the health tech moment? <laughs> it's like the dreaded question this at the end, isn't it? <laughs> Um, well we I've done a little bit of prep (laughs) but I have have tried to think about this already Um, I used to work in Kuwait I had a project um, in Kuwait working for the Ministry of Health and when I went out to Kuwait I'd, I'd never had any experience of working in healthcare abroad but it is so different it it really is so different um just the culture and the availability of healthcare. Uh, who, who um, I don't know who who sort of allowed that healthcare. I can't think of a better word. But you know, different categories of people are entitled to different levels of care. Mm. And I thought that was interesting. You know, you take for granted that the NHS is always there for you and it's free, and that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, it kind of made me reflect on that and just grateful for the NHS really. Um, and not only that, I mean, just the whole culture of it, they, they specialised in referring patients abroad for treatment that they couldn't provide in Q8 or didn't have the expertise. Mm. Um, and that was funded, you know, that's amazing. Oh. Um, but the process, the process for doing it, patients would come into the sort of referral centre. You know, they're not seeing doctors or not receiving treatment or anything. Mm. They would come in and crowd around the reception to try and like, this is my paperwork. Why isn't it going through faster? When am I going to Germany for my care? Wow. <laughs> and it was crazy. It was crazy in that referrals department. Um, so, yeah, that was really that was really fun to see that. It must have been a really interesting um, place to actually go and, I don't know, go and work over there as well and just see that completely different yeah. different lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely it was. Um, and just their setup and all sort of, you know, their, their offices and the seniority and it was literally, a, you could draw on a map the process around the office, that the, the paperwork, mm. it was all paperwork. Paperwork just went all around the office. It was so funny. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's really interesting. I think it's great to kind of hear about other cultures and things like that. And, you know, it, it does kind of bring you back to mm. we are very lucky to to have our NHS. You know, yeah. we, we had a podcast earlier where we were talking about um, a midwife that had stayed with with someone um, above her shift because she wanted to kind of see that you know, see it through almost. So, yeah. Exactly. Very, very it's lucky. all free. <laughs> I know. Very lucky yeah. indeed. Um, so thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, really enjoyed having you on this week. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening. Um, next week, we're going to hear from Jonathan Allsop. Um, Jonathan is Quality and Information Security Manager at Radar Healthcare. And we'll be talking about the importance of information security. 
Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions for us or our guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. 